When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hub City Homers, episode 18, or should I say technically 18. If you weren't listening last week, we did have a, an interview special regarding Coach McGuire. So this week, we're back to normal normal operations. We're going to be recapping the extremely important win from last Saturday. We're going to be talking about the bowl eligibility of it all, and we're also going to be talking about looking ahead to Oklahoma State. How can the team stack success, something that was not done under Matt Wills' regime? After we clear football, we will be talking basketball. It's important to note how the team's doing, how it did without its best player in TJ Shannon. What can we expect now that he has been released by the NCAA and can return to the court this Saturday against Incarnate Word? Okay, so we're going to get right into this talking about Iowa State. Um, this was a, a game that we did not preview on the simple belief is I didn't think Tech had any chance of even competing. Um, which begs the question, you know, you, you, you're trying to figure out what to do with Sonny Cumbie. You know, that, that, I think that's a, that's a question that has to be answered. It's an unusual one after regime change, but I know Sonny Cumbie has gone on record saying he wants to stay. I know that he's made it clear he's willing to stay on as the offensive coordinator, that there's a lot of, uh, of a will by the administration to keep him on as an offensive coordinator. He came in for one year. He's a famous alumni of Tech, and not to mention, he dealt with several hurt quarterbacks this season. So the question I think we'll lead off with is speaking directly about the fact that Sonny Cumbie had this team, he has had this team only for uh, three weeks. Oklahoma week, bye week, Iowa State week. And I guess the question becomes, you know, with the success this Saturday, how much do you credit to Sonny Cumbie? Is this enough to justify retaining him? And more importantly, is this a sign that maybe Tech should have waited before hiring McGuire? Not to say McGuire is not a great football coach or won't do a good job, but did Sonny maybe not get a fair look at the head coaching job because the school was in a hurry? So I'm going to open that one up to Jack first. Uh to be quite frank, I think that uh, I think Tech. I don't think they jumped the gun, so to speak. Um, I think honestly, you have to credit some of that win to Joey McGuire. Uh, I mean, he's come in and you know surrounded this uh, program with a lot of hype and uh, you know energy that hasn't been seen here probably since the first uh, you know seven games of the Kingsbury uh staff years back in I guess it was that 2013 when we started seven and0 that year and granted we did promptly lose five straight or six including the bowl game I think but I don't think I've seen this much energy around the program since then so I think you have to credit that as to part of the win I also think that it's very apparent that like you said um, I think that if Matt Wells was coaching this game, I don't think we're even in the situation. I don't even think that it's remotely close. Uh, I think that 
probably the roles are reversed, maybe. And, you know, they're up 31 to 14 at half, and we probably lay down and just let them take it to us for the rest of the second half. Um, I also think that uh, Cumbie called a pretty decent game. Uh, the one thing, if I want to nitpick about this, um, we've seen it. We saw it a little bit in the Kansas State. We saw it a lot in the Kansas State game, I'll say. We saw it a little bit here, too. Um, him calling plays with the lead is a little concerning. Uh, you know, we were up 31-14 to 14 at half against Iowa State, and they outscored us 24-10 to 10 in the second half. Um, you know, Kansas State were up, was it 24-10 to 10 or whatever at half, and we end up losing that game. So uh, I I think it's a little concerning that, uh, you know, if Tech gets up by more than, you know, 14 points or right at 14 points, if we're in double digits, it seems to me like we, we're playing, we're calling plays not to lose instead of calling plays to win. And there's a difference. So um, I think Cumbie's been great. I think that um, he's definitely made his name very, close to the top for that offensive coordinator job. And, uh, I mean, what better, when is there a better time to do it than with the next head coach, you know, in the box watching this game from up there, you know, he's up there watching and he's watching Sonny Cumbie call plays where a tech team that has been stagnant at best over the, over the last, you know, three years is scoring 31 points and a half against Iowa State of all teams. So I think that it was impressive. I would like to see a little bit more aggressive play calling, even when we're up, just to keep keep your foot on the gas, you know? Don't let up. Don't don't let these guys back in the game. Um, but, you know, I, I think that – I don't think Tech jumped the gun. I think McGuire's the right fit, and he's the right guy for this job. But I definitely think that Sonny Cumbie has cemented himself – at the top of the list for the OC job, for sure. I think Tech, and the only reason I ask about Cumbie getting the job is because I think that if you were going to hire a guy Mike McGuire, I think maybe the name that was closer than we knew had to have been Cumbie's. Um, just because you took a guy based almost entirely on the fact that he was a, a Texas dude. And that that has always described Sonny Cumbie. Um, and I also wanted to address it because I don't want people to think now that, you know, the, the school should have waited because I don't think they did the wrong thing here. You gave Sonny Cumbie a chance against Oklahoma. Yes, it was short sighted or a, a quick turnaround is the correct word there. A quick turnaround to, to have, to see what he could do. But in that Oklahoma game, he just looked overwhelmed. Um, he looked overwhelmed and a, to be honest, against Iowa State, you know, you question some of these fourth down decisions, being overly aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I, I've gone on record saying I don't hate the call. Um, I think after the first one, you didn't get it. I think going forward again was supremely risky. But regardless, I think that I think McGuire is the guy Tech needed to get. So I just wanted to put that out in the world that, you know, the, 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 I, I don't think the school should have waited out the year. You know, the market's just getting more competitive. So whatever Sonny Cumbie does, Whatever he does this this end of the year, I think Tech fans need to realize that um, he's coaching a team that has nothing to lose, and that is kind of being reflected in how they played the game. 
Um, at least for stretches. I think the other part of this equation, when you're weighing what to do with Cumbie now, is how had he, did he call the game against Iowa State um, towards the end? Jack talked about this. You play a lot not to lose in these situations. Um, not necessarily overly conservative, but it it, it, there, it felt like there were too many times late in the second half where you were, you were trying to play for first downs and just keep the clock running, then you were playing to score. Um, it's not like Cumbie wasn't calling, you know, to keep picking up yards. Like he didn't just turn around, hand the ball off three times the entire second half and just live with it. But it just felt too much like he was so in his head about getting 10, 10, 10, 10. And when he, he did that, those drives didn't work. And then you get to the fourth down calls, which are his most aggressive decisions. And you, you, you just wonder why, why do you call, you know, a little, uh, uh, QB power. And I think one might've actually been some sort of QB inside zone. I, I don't know if it was read option or not, you know, only the play called no, only the play design knows, but, but regardless two direct QB runs, which everybody had to know was coming and your mo your fourth down call that worked was a shot down the field. You know, and I think that points to the fact that if you stop worrying about just picking up 10 yards, if you start, you know, just playing the game to score, better things happen. I didn't hate those calls to go for it. You're, you're going to make those calls. It only looks bad in hindsight because you didn't get either one. And then Keith Patterson pulled a Keith Patterson. You saw the defense really get conservative. Uh, and you gave up a bunch of yards and a bunch of points. But reality of the situation is, is that there it feels like too often with Cumby, um, he can call great spurts. He's going to be really, really good for a half, three quarters. I have yet to see him call a completely sound three game, uh, full game. That all of this in mind, do I think you retain him? Yes, and for only one reason, it would be hard to explain to the fans why you let him go. Um, even if you're not completely sold on Cumby, I think there's the sense that he did not get a fair chance to evaluate the offense. I think he didn't get a fair chance to call the game he wanted because of the injuries he sustained, because the offensive line so drastically underperformed at times, because the defense was so awful that you had to just change how you called games. Um, I mean, against Texas and TCU, you can see two examples. If there's no chance he game-planned to throw the ball anywhere near the amount he did, he called with, Sonny, uh, with Henry Columbia in the game. Against Houston, he didn't expect to find himself down 21 to 7. You know, he he's had to bail out of so many of his game scripts. And I just think that it's not fair to evaluate him. And I think people know that. And I, I believe McGuire is one of those guys where he really, really wants tech fans to feel comfortable with his program. He wants that support, that buy in, that excitement. So I think he'll keep Cumby. And this isn't to say that Cumby can't actually coach, by the way. This isn't to say that he doesn't deserve another chance. This is just to say what it boils down to is, could you explain as Coach McGuire to the fan base what he did wrong? And I don't think you really could. The offense has been efficient, not good, not great. I think Donovan Smith may be your quarterback of the future. We'll get to that in a second, in which case I'm curious to see what Cumbie does with him. Um, and the biggest thing, the biggest thing Cumbie has in his favor, nobody else in the last five years has been able to score against Iowa State. You know, Tech just has not moved the ball against Iowa State and scored. And the fact that he figured that out and did it, it's it would just be hard to tell people that he didn't do enough to earn 
another chance. He's embraced the kind of identity McGuire wants his coaches to embrace. You know, pump jack mentality. West Texas tough. So um, I think he gets retained just because it would just be really, really hard to sell to people that there's another offensive coordinator out there that wants to be at Tech as bad, that, you know, deserves a chance at it as much as Cumbie does. You could go get a different system, but I don't think McGuire wants another system. I think he likes the one Cumbie's going to run. So I think he gets retained for those reasons. Um, I and think, I got a different McGuire. Well, uh, I, I want to toss something in here. I think that uh, if you if you keep Donovan Smith and you know he is your quarterback of the future or whatever, I think that it gets me really excited because I think that you go you start seeing Cumbie kind of bring that offense back that he was so successful with in his early days at TCU when he had Trevon Boykin as his quarterback. And I believe that year, did they go to the Fiesta Bowl? I think they did, and they won, I'm pretty sure. So, um, they, I mean, that offense was so good. And, you know, they were averaging, you know, 600 yards a game, I feel like. And they were scoring 49 a game. And so it was super exciting to see. And I think you get a little bit of that with, Donovan Smith is your quarterback. I think that it gives Cummy kind of the opportunity to break that Trevon Boykin offense back out. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't know what Cummy's going to end up doing with Smith, but you got one game of 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 you know a look at what that could look like, and I think that you what other system are you going to run with that kid? He looked perfectly comfortable running this offense, and I don't know if you want Shuck to take back over, in which case you probably need a more pro-style orientated offense, maybe something a bit less based around the spread, uh, the, the the air raid. I don't know if you have plans to try to go get somebody. I don't know. All I know is, is that if you think at all Donovan Smith could be the guy, I don't know why you would change systems. I don't know how you'd explain why you're changing systems. The only reason I think I give, and I still stand by this is legitimate, Cumbie came in for a year and you didn't win. You just didn't win. And now that the the biggest question mark being Iowa State, you won this game. You won this game running the offense he wanted to run with his with his third string quarterback tearing it up. So I, I think he's done enough to be retained. I'll be curious to see what McGuire does with it. And I do think part of this win though is based around Coach McGuire. As I'm not applying that Sonny Cumbie is not a genuine human being. I just want to make clear though. The West Texas tough stuff, the pump jack mentality stuff, that kind of thing only happened because Coach McGuire came in and made it clear, if you want to stay on staff, you have to be a West Texas guy. That That's just reality. Sonny Cumbies flipped the script to embrace what he thinks his next employer believes in entirely. That isn't to say that Sonny Cumbie isn't a West Texas guy or isn't a Texas guy. It's just the reason why that mentality was the one he settled on, that this is how he's trying to build his program. Because he could have gone any number of ways to do this. The reason why he did that to try to keep the locker room together, to keep them engaged, is because that's what McGuire wants to see. So I think it, it's not unfair to point that out. And so that energy, that kind of toughness, that, that mentality is a credit to the hire you just made. So, you know, another example of the school probably getting this one right. Just be advised, this episode may get a little funky. We're having some issues on Kendall's end. Hopefully his audio comes through clean. But if you're hit, listening to this down the line and there's some weird pauses, some weird breaks, just just be advised that that's what's responsible for it. Um, we're doing the best we can to work with him. I, I don't like doing one-one podcasts with just me and Jack or just me and Kendall. Um, I think they're, uh, they're, they're just harder to sustain. I get tired. 
Um, so hopefully you can still hear Kendall at the end of this. If you can't though, me and Jack just listen to our parts and suffer through the, the, the awkwardness. Um, we're, we're trying to do some, some pretty unique ways to, to keep this rolling with the three of us. Um, so that being said, we're going to keep going. Kendall's basically, by the way, if you're wondering, um, if you're wondering how we're doing this, Kendall's basically just telling us when he stopped talking, um, in between each segment because he can hear us. We just can't hear him. And I think his audio is being recorded. So, you know, the, the, we're doing the best we can here. It's getting crazy. Um, we'll just keep rolling. You know, the show must go on. Where we're going to go to next is Donovan Smith, because I, I, I think if you're pointing to any, any one thing in this game that had the greatest impact, it's your third string quarterback stepping in in such a big way. It's a guy that everybody was calling for him to throw the ball more. Um, and I think we got what we asked for. He had to step in. Columbia's sick. Shuck is still hurt and done for the year. And Morton's probably just not ready and won. Why would you sacrifice his eligibility? You know, or I guess you you have four games. Why would you throw him into the fire? Um, you get Donovan Smith. And I think the question every, on everybody's mind is not, does he start against Oklahoma State? Because that's... Um, you know, that's, that's already settled. But the question on everybody's mind is, can he do enough this year to win the starting job outright for next year? So I'll go Jack here first. Like I said, we're doing the best we can with Kendall. Bear with us. But Jack, what are your thoughts on Donovan Smith? Can he win the job this season? I liked his, uh, I liked his just calmness and his poise. Uh, it was very impressive to me. Uh, I think that a lot in this game, you could have gotten very flustered at times. Um, we've talked about it a couple times. This line, this offensive line has really underperformed this year overall as a whole, as a unit. It was supposed to be one of our, uh, you know, better groups. And uh, it's, it's pretty, it's under, it's underwhelming what they've done as a group. But that's a, that's a, t- uh, that's a subject for a different day. But um, I I really was impressed with how well he stood in the pocket, and you know when he needed to move around, he did. Um, got away, and you know kind of rolled out, and either to his left or right, and uh, was able to connect with the receiver down the field. Uh, I know Ezukama was talking about it post game, saying that it helps the receivers out. Uh, he said it's really cool to have a quarterback that can actually avoid. Uh, rushes and kind of extend the play out and it, it helps the receivers get open because you know I mean who's gonna be able to uh, who's gonna be able to cover a receiver for over you know eight seconds it's not there's not gonna be very many people that can so um, I think that a lot of people were impressed with them I know I was um, you know his final stats were 25 of 32 for 322 yards, three TDs, and a pick. Um, QBR of 86. I just, I, I was just really impressed for a. Um, I, I was just really impressed for a third string guy being able to come in and and compete and uh, do and just kind of keep. They really, he really did. He kept taking the game, uh, and as as opposed to next year, I just. I just don't know. I, I really don't know. I'm, you know, I can barely look past this weekend against Oklahoma State for football. So I really don't know what to expect for next season. 
Uh, it's going to be a big question mark if Tyler Shuck decides to come back since he really missed a majority of this year. If uh, Tyler Shuck comes back, you know, I think you are, it's going to be a two man battle between Smith and Shuck. Uh, I don't, I don't see Morton really button in there unless something crazy happens in fall camp. But um, I, I was just really impressed by it. And uh, I would look for him to be QB one for the rest of the year. Um, bowl game. I mean, he got you there, so I don't know why you wouldn't why you wouldn't start him in the bowl game uh, since he's the one that got us there. So yeah, I mean, we'll sit back and we'll see, and you know, in a couple weeks we'll know a lot more. But um, I just think that you have to give him a shot for the rest of the year. I mean, especially if he comes out and puts another good performance up against Oklahoma State at home, regardless of win or loss, uh, I think you have to stick with him the rest of the year. The only reason I would say you get away from Smith is we did th- we've done this with Henry Columbia now back to back years where a guy comes in and looks really really good in his first start and this is why I don't want to put too much on any one start because um, there have been moments Texas was a moment where Columbia came in and was absolutely amazing against Texas. The blowout sours everybody's thinking about it, but every ball he put down the field seemed to just be beautiful and perfect and right on the money, which considering he is just not that talented of a quarterback was especially, you know, stunning to watch. However, the difference I think is, is because I can acknowledge that Henry Columbia, despite his best efforts, was never the most talented quarterback. You know, that always colored any one performance. Donovan Smith is unbelievably talented. I mean, he just, it, 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 he's the kind of quarterback who has every tool at his disposal. Will he be able to put it all together? I don't know. You know, that it, there are no certainties in life, and there's no certainties that, like I said, one game means a career. But if you're asking me, do I feel pretty good about him going forward? Yeah, because Iowa State is no slouch defensively. If you ask Cyclone fans, they're mad about that game because they think something, something, didn't try, didn't tackle, whatever. Here's the reality. A top 20 defense, top 10 maybe, I don't remember going into the game where they were, comes into Lubbock. The Big 12's undisputed best defense, a defense who has done well basically every game all year, and Smith made it look easy. And you can't accredit all of that to just, well, they didn't have film on him. I didn't think we did anything particularly crazy in this game. Donovan Smith just lined up and threw the ball to where there was a gap. He made the right read, he delivered the ball, when the play broke down, he made one happen. So I saw a guy who, at bare minimum, is supremely talented, has all the physical athleticism he needs, got the arm strength, has the QB vision, which I, I, I'm i a big guy, big believer in how, how are your eyes. Donovan Smith keeps his eyes downfield. He's looking for his guy. That's a big thing with him. I mean, there are several plays, especially that first opening drive where he's rolling out right and he throws it back across, which, by the way, risky ball, but he throws it back across because he found his guy downfield in traffic. He has the eyes. He's got the athleticism. He's a, he's a smart player. Um, you know, you saw some of the, the, the freshman kind of worries where he held the ball a little bit too long trying to make a play and took a sack. And, well, I love to see him break free of all those, you know, Iowa State defenders and run around for a while. To some degree, you do just need to throw the ball away or throw it throw it downfield. But 
he has the in- intelligence to read defenses. You know, he was reading, he read what Iowa State wanted to do really, really well. Um, I don't think he ever made a truly bad read besides maybe holding the ball once or two twice. So he's got the QB mind. He's got the eyes, arm strength. He's a big kid. He's athletic. Um, he has every tool. Can he win the job outright this year? Yes, he can. To me, he can. He, he just went up against the Big 12's best defense. He's about to go up against the Big 12's second best defense. He's then going to go up against the Big 12's third best defense. You don't have to win all the, the next two games for him to be the starter. Um, but if he throws 300 yards, he's efficient. I think he ended up something like 80% completion rate, averaging like 12 yards a throw. You know, if, if he's efficient, if he's doing what we saw against Iowa State, and your defense may or may not hold up. We, we don't know, but you do. He does that. Uh, he should be the starter for next year. If he, if he can play three of the best defenses he'll ever play and look good doing it, give him, give him the ball next year. Tell Shuck, you know, we're sorry, but it, them's the breaks. And I feel for Tyler Shuck because none of this is his fault. Is his fault. I feel for Baron Morton. None of this is his fault. You know, these are two guys who both think that next year they could be the guy. And if Donovan Smith just seizes the job, that's unfortunate, but you have to let a player do it. You have to be willing to let a guy like that step up and do it. So I hope he gets that chance. I mean, that being said, Smith could go out and be look not good the next couple of weeks, and then you've got a really healthy quarterback competition heading into bowl season and into the offseason. But, you know, that's my two cents on Smith. I was impressed. I thought he had he, he looked the part. Um, and again, I'm caveating one thing. One game does not make a career, but it was as good of a first, you know, foray into the into the, the college football world as you could ask any quarterback, let alone one as young and as untried as Smith. So we're going to go to Kendall here. Once again, we are having technical difficulties. So if you see any weirdness, hear any weirdness with Kendall's audio or it's just not there outright, don't panic. It's not your computer. We're trying to make this work. Okay, so hopefully that was Kendall. We're going to shift now because I think the big things to talk about from this game, and I don't want to shortchange the defense. We really do just have to move along. So actually, you know what? Screw it. Jack, I'm going to let you talk a little bit about the defense because I really don't want to leave out what was at least a great half of football. Um, so I'm just going to throw it to you. What are your thoughts on the defense from Saturday? Uh, I think I thought the defense played pretty well uh, overall, other than probably the fourth quarter. I think you kind of got a little tired. Uh from, I mean, the offense was scoring and uh, wouldn't given them, I guess in the third quarter, there were a couple three and out. So uh, you saw kind of a quick turnaround. And uh, so I think that they got a little tired there in the fourth quarter. But you saw three quarters of pretty good football from this defense, probably some of the best football that has been played by this defense this season. Um, You know, I, I was really impressed with um, – the safeties. I was really impressed with uh, the the secondary. Really, um, your your top three tacklers were from the secondary, and granted, that's probably uh, not the best because I mean a lot of those were on Brees Hall, but um, uh, Pearson had two pass deflections. Um, you know, I, there's just a lot of. There's, there was a lot of good on this defense on Saturday, which was a refreshing. Uh, it was very refreshing, very new. It seemed like it was the first time all year that we've seen something like it. 
Uh, but I mean, you get, you get picks from Schooler and, uh, uh, Dadrian Taylor Demerson, who's, who's been playing his ass off the past couple weeks. Um, I, for me, I honestly, for if there is like a, an equivalent of a basketball sixth man for this defense right now, in my mind, it's Dadrian Taylor Demerson. Uh, he, I, he leads this team in interceptions. Um, he's really stepped up in the absence of Adrian Fry. And, uh, you know, Pearson's been out for a few games here and there. So, uh, Dadrian Taylor Demerson has really impressed me this year. And, uh, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to what we see from him, uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, and probably next year, uh, you know, he is a junior. So, um, maybe, I don't know if he's used his COVID year or not, but, um, I was really, I was really impressed with him. Uh, I know Adrian Fry was back this game, but, uh, you know, he, he has stepped up in the past couple games with, uh, Adrian Fry being out. Um, the D line played pretty well too. Uh, you got Tony Bradford back this game, which was a huge, uh, a huge welcome. Uh, you know, him and Jalen Hutchings on the front line are a good duo, uh, Devin Drew played really well. Also, um, it's just a lot of these guys, a lot of, a lot of the guys you expect to perform well, performed well. Um, Krishan Merriweather was another one that really stood out to me this week. Um, I am interested how they will look at in this next game coming up. Um, I think there is a potential here for a very, big last game for a lot of these seniors uh in Lubbock. A lot of these guys are graduating and uh you know moving on. But I really do think that there's a huge opportunity for a huge defensive game against uh Oklahoma State. I still stand by this. I think I'm the only one at Viva that thinks this, but uh I still stand by the fact that I think uh Spencer Sanders is the worst uh quarterback in the Big 12. He's too happy feet and he rolls out and makes some poor decisions. Uh, last time he played in Lubbock, he fumbled the ball three times on his own, and they all were recovered by Tech. Um, I just think that Spencer Sanders leading this offense is very uh, unproven. Uh, they still haven't played OU. I know they beat Baylor for their only, or a ba- they beat Baylor, but uh, I just. I just have something. I just have a feeling that this defense could have a big showing against Oklahoma State, and I hope I'm right. We're eating into our, our preview of Oklahoma State to do this, but I think it's worth it because I want to give credit to the defense. So we're gonna we're gonna instead of keeping to the time schedule, I kind of had in my mind, we're gonna talk about this, and that's why I'm I, I'm I'm glad we're taking the, a moment because this was the best defensive performance the team has had in a very long time. I mentioned this, but when Keith Patterson got conservative later in the game, you saw some cracks, and Tech just doesn't have anybody who can cover Charlie Kohler. Um, Charlie is a phenomenal tight end, and when you just don't have a guy in the secondary you can cover for him, once Tech stopped bringing as much pressure on Brock Purdy and Iowa State was able to get it blocked up a bit better, they struggled blocking three-man rushes a lot this game. In the second half, as the D-line got a bit tired, it was easier for them to do it. And that's when you saw Charlie just ate him alive. Um, but you kept Brees Hall to his lowest rushing total in the Big 12. In Big 12 play, the season, I believe, his career as a starter. I don't think he's ever rushed for less than 
you know, he did on Saturday. And I, if you would ask me before the game, you know, who are you going to make beat you on Iowa State? You'd want Brock Purdy to have to be the guy to beat you. Just because as good as, you know, the receiving core is for Iowa State, as good as Charlie Kohler is, as good as Brock Purdy can be when he's at his best, Brees Hall is the best running back in the conference, maybe. Maybe Bijan, but I think it's Brees Hall. Um, and Tech had been scorched by Texas's great running back, by TCU's great running back. So you just you wanted to once make the quarterback beat you. And to be honest, in the first half, Purdy was terrible. He was awful. He, he, he looked scared. He played scared. The pressure got to him, and he couldn't do it. Iowa State built a hole it couldn't dig out of. You know, by the time their defense figured out what to do about Donovan Smith and were slowing Tech down, and a couple of those fourth down calls, you know, weren't necessarily the best in terms of play calling or decision, depending on your perspective, um, it was too late. Um, Taylor Demerson, by the way, is is an, a wild story. Because he's a guy who comes out of nowhere, replaces Adrian Fry, who was back to playing really good football, and he's been your best cover uh, coverage guy in the state, in the secondary. He's been phenomenal. I mean, I, I, he has a nose for the football. It's hard to throw on him. Um, you know, you don't have a lot of guys in your secondary who are any good at all at locking up receivers one-on-one. Taylor Demerson comes off the bench in a big way and does it. Um, the linebacking core deserves a ton of credit for controlling Brees Hall. They were all over him all night. Uh, anytime he tried to leave the backfield, it felt like he was being harassed. And he was getting met in the backfield a lot. And that's a credit to the defensive line, who ate alive Iowa State's offensive line for a lot of the game. Um, as a result, you got your best defensive performance. Yeah, Iowa State rolled off a tear once they settled in. You know, that's a that's a good, good offense with a good, a really, really good future top whatever NFL draft pick and Kohler to throw to whenever they want to. Um, and a great back you have to keep your eyes on at all times. Who made his name felt. And then um, I'm going to mention this. We're all seeing the radio call controversy right now. Let me step in and just say that was one of the worst officiated games I've ever seen. I mean, just just hilariously bad. Uh, it I I I'm gonna I'm gonna say full tilt that I've listened to what the call was. Which, by the way, we just tweeted about it as of right now. So if you you know, I hope by now by the time everybody's listening to this, you've had a chance to review what they said yourself. Um, you know, that was a terrible crew, and they gifted Iowa State probably 14 points um, at least, maybe 21, depending on how you think that that uh, Koontz catch, no catch was. Hey, so, you might you might, you might, might want to tread lightly here. You might get banned from being on the next episode of the pod if you can't That's fair. You know, like if you, apparently, if you mention, you know, our, our L commissioner, L commissios, whatever, whatever the Spanish word for commissioner is um, – uh, his name, that's enough to get you fined. So you know, we, we all got to tread lightly with regards to, to, to a certain gentleman in the Big 12 office. But, you know, that the crew wasn't good, and that bare minimum cost Tech points that otherwise wouldn't have existed, and this, this would have been even more of a route than it could have been if Tech had been able to, you know, keep the momentum going on their side. In the end, though, we haven't talked about Garibay, and the reason why is because there's nothing to say about a kick that amazing. I mean, I was... I watched it live and had no, ha, did not believe for a second he was going to make it. So I'm going to close out this just by saying, you know, that there's nothing to dissect other than to say, Jonathan Garibay, what a fucking kick. Congratulations on that, man. You probably just secured yourself an NFL draft pick. Um, that, that, that probably did it right there. So a big congratulations to Garibay for what was damn near a record kick in the Big 12. Um, 
could have been good from 67. I mean, it, it was amazing. So we're going to pivot now to Oklahoma State. We won't spend too much time on Oklahoma State because I want to get to basketball. And we ate up some of our preview time talking about the defense. Um, Jack, I'm going to throw it to you now. You're looking at Oklahoma State's offense. I know how you feel about Spencer Sanders, but let's really dig in here. What are you thinking about this offense? What is Tech need to watch out for? Uh, I have, I mean, they spread the ball out a lot. Um, when it comes to the receivers, they really don't have like one main guy. Uh, Tay Martin leads them, has the most receptions and yards, averages about 13 and a half a catch, has six touchdowns. Uh, him and Brennan Presley, uh, are up there. Uh, Presley has 35 catches, 422 yards, five touchdowns. Other than those two, there's a huge drop off after that. Uh, it goes from 47 and 35 in the catch totals to 16. A uh, huge drop off of about 200 yards and about four touchdowns. So it looks to me like uh, Martin and Presley are their top two receivers. Um, Jalen Warren's a great back. He's had a pretty good year. Uh, he has over a thousand yards already. Uh, I guess I guess a lot of good backs are at, across that. Uh, threshold now because we're getting towards the end of the year but um warren's a good back shifty um again i just i was at the the last one of the last games i'd gone to before this year uh admittedly was that oklahoma state game a couple years back and i physically watched spencer sanders fumble the ball three times in you know, as, as many quarters. And it was just seemed like he was uh, granted back then he was a freshman and, uh, you know, hopefully for his sake, he's gotten a little bit better, but I just, I haven't, I've never really been impressed with him. Uh, I guess I kind of have the same feelings towards him that, uh, Mike, that you have towards Max Duggan. Uh, I just don't, I just really don't think he's that good. I think he's overrated and, you know, uh, but that's just what I, that's just me. I'm just one person, one opinion. But, um, I just looking at this, I think you, you double up those two guys and, uh, in Martin and Presley and then Warren, uh, one thing you're going to have to look at again. Um, we kind of got, we didn't get lucky playing Iowa state, but fortunate, fortunately enough, Brock Purdy is really not that mobile of a quarterback. So uh, we didn't really have to deal with that last week. Spencer Sanders is. Spencer Sanders has the second most rushing attempts on this team, and he missed two games. Um, you know, he's run for four touchdowns. Uh, so this is another guy that if he gets in trouble, uh, you know, he will take off. So we're, we're going to – I pray to God, I pray to God that we have a, a QB spy in this game on, on almost all plays because if we don't, we could – it could be potentially not very good. You played a lot of elite backs in this season. The Big 12 was full of them. I mean, just, I would argue three of the better running backs in the country and maybe the two best individual running backs in the country play in the Big 12. Oklahoma State doesn't have necessarily that caliber of backfield, but it's still good. You know, like this is just a year in the Big 12. You are playing a lot of good rushing attacks. Uh, this isn't Chuba Hubbard's backfield anymore, but it's not like these guys are total slouches. So on face value, Tech will be tested on the ground again. You're maybe not going to get, you know, that the kind of focus you put on Brees Hall, 
you know, where I feel like 90% of Tech's defensive output in the Saturday's game was designed around the idea of that guy is not going to beat us. Uh, but you are going to have to worry about it. And you also are going to have to worry about it because Spencer Sanders is a true option threat. Now, I wouldn't go as far to say as Brock Purdy isn't that, you know, like not mobile. I think Brock Purdy runs less than he should. I think if he ran more, Iowa State would be in a better spot. But he is not particularly blazing fast. He's a guy you describe as quick and elusive. Uh, Spencer Sanders just is kind of fast. You know, he's a fast kid, and it's his best weapon. Because while I am a big, big, big fan of the uh, of you know the dual threat quarterback, um, I think Spencer Sanders' be- problem is Sanders, just like Max Duggan, would have been better off sticking around as a receiver as a running back. Um, which, by the way, for those of you keeping score at home, TCU benches Max Duggan, and uh, you know, turns out he sucked. I I I, I had the, the argument's over. With TCU fans out there, it's over. I was right, so I'm. I, I, I'm for Jack's sake. I'm hoping this is his moment to be right. If Spencer Sanders just falls apart, I was wondering how long it was going to take for you to bring that up. I was wondering if you're going to bring up. That I've been waiting two weeks, three weeks to mention this. That you know that that, that he had been benched and that, that this was a settled argument. That I was right. Max Duggan was overrated, and I never got it in the first place. Am I that low on Spencer Sanders? Not quite. But yes, I also think he's very bad. Um, I also want to relay a comment from our buddy Kendall on the off chance that we're not able to actually get his audio in here. He is able to chat with us live. He wants to talk about he saw him play in Ames and he thought he was just god awful. So Kendall is also very much not a Spencer Sanders believer. Um, Spencer Sanders fumbles the ball three more times on Saturday. That'd be freaking awesome. I, I think my my prediction, we made the same call against Duggan. So I will say this. My prediction is the same as the one we were making against Duggan, is that Sanders will turn over the ball twice. I think that Tech has found just a way to find the football on occasion. Um, look, you're splitting hairs between bad quarterbacks, and the only reason we're having this discussion at all is because me and Jack lead the bandwagons against the two worst quarterbacks in the, in the country. So it's kind of fun to wonder whose quarterback that they, we don't like is worse. But the reality is that Spencer Sanders isn't much of a threat. You are going to have to worry about his legs. You are going to have to worry about Oklahoma State on the ground. It's not like they have awful playmakers everywhere. They just they there's no guy that at least I can think of who's just you know your game breaking kind of receiver. But um, you know the bigger threat when you play Oklahoma State, um, when you play Oklahoma State this year, which is brand. They've been pretty good in the past at defense on occasion. This year, they are pretty ferocious defensively. So the question is, that I'll open this up to for once again, hopefully Kendall, how are you going to attack Oklahoma State defensively? Or excuse me, offensively looking at their defense. I'm going to let Jack answer that question as well. We do need to get to basketball, but on the off chance Kendall's audio doesn't come through, I want one person besides him to have a chance to answer that question so we get it down. Jack, how are you attacking Oklahoma State? Uh, I'm doing, I'm kind of going with the same, uh, with the same game plan you kind of had against Iowa state, you know? Um, I really liked the fact that they knew Iowa state was pretty good at stealing signs or in not in a bad way for all you Houston Astros fans out there. I apologize. But, uh, for 
like still taking signs and kind of realizing what play, what type of play tech was going to run. So what does he do? He just trots Donovan Smith over there before every play and just tells him what to run. I don't see why you wouldn't do that the rest of the year. No, depending, no matter if they are good at dissecting your, what you're going to run or not. Um, I think for, in terms of their defense, their strongest part is kind of up the middle in their front, uh, in their front seven, or at least their linebacking core is pretty good. Uh, they got two pretty good linebackers. I think Malcolm Rodriguez is probably going to be an all Big Twelve selection. Um, but I, I just, I think that um, I think their safeties are a little, their safeties are a little feisty too. Uh, they got one kid, I think that's got. Does he have like? I think he's got. Yeah, he's got three picks. So, um, you know, I just, I'm not, I'm not saying you don't throw the ball here, and I'm not saying you really run. I think you kind of, you kind of got to utilize the boundaries on this defense, uh, make them run to get you. I feel like I've watched them a couple times, and they're a little slow out to the to the outer boundaries and stuff. So I think you get a lot of maybe some toss plays in there and, you know, maybe some quick, uh, some quick routes. I think early you need to come out and get Donovan Smith on track early. Give him some quick completions, you know, give like a little two-step drop, you know, a little five-yard slant. Just let him complete it. Let him get, let him get on a roll, get him going and kind of build off that and go from there. Um, I think you mix in a solid run game with Todd. It's really not. It's really nice because I feel like right now we're hitting our stride with having in our running back room with having both Taj and Sir Roderick at pretty much one hundred percent full health. It's really nice to see. I, I mean, we've obviously been missing that all season. So the fact that now, kind of towards the end of the year, when we're playing our most uh, important games and stuff, when we have them, that's really nice to see. Um, but again, I'm. I think that you kind of just let Donovan Smith be the man here. Uh, kind of just do what you did against Iowa State. Mix in a solid uh, mix of run and pass. Um, have a couple of you know, um, a couple of RPOs here and there, and uh, maybe some straight up designed uh, quarterback powers here and there, uh, just to keep them on their toes and see what they're looking like on the defensive side. We're going to move on to basketball now just to close out this episode because the team is 3-0. We're getting T.J. Shannon back. That was the big news today. Shannon has officially been cleared by the NCAA. He's fully ready for participation. Um, It was a short wait, but longer than anybody wanted, you know, missing three games. Thankfully, Tech will not be seriously challenged until Providence later this um, season in about another week or two. So let's talk a little bit of basketball before we close out, because right now, you know, there's still not a ton you can learn about watching your team beat up on cupcake opponents. But one thing I want to highlight, and I'll, I'll, I'll give everybody a chance basically to highlight the thing about the team they like the most. What I personally like the most is the offensive side of the ball. You just feel better. Um, and what I mean by that is, is that the ball's not sticking. Everybody's in attack mode. You're not, worried so much about the fact that if one guy doesn't just go off, you're screwed. There's elite scoring across the board. The ball, you know, it, it's not just that it's moving better. It's just everybody's not, everybody's looking to score, but, you know, they're they're perfectly comfortable dumping the ball off. 
Um, you don't, I don't feel like anybody's forcing the issue. I just feel like the entire offensive side of the ball, even when shots aren't falling, it's just, it's like they're just taking a deep breath. You know, on occasion, they've gotten out of sorts. There's been moments where there's been dry spells and they just can't seem to get anything down. And it looks like they're, they're, they're not comfortable with the pace. But for a team of transfers that is really trying to gel without its best player, um, you know, I, I couldn't be happier with how you looked offensively. Part of that is just Bryson Williams is un, is just dominant in this against this kind of competition. I think he's going to be incredible all year. Um, he gives you such a, a such a nice presence down low. Davion Warren's as advertised getting to the basket. Oban- Kevin O'Banner is able to hit shots like nobody's business. Uh, McCuller is you know kind of still trying to find his touch. But he is distributing the ball well. He's moving the ball around. He's being much more aggressive than we've seen in the previous years. Adonis Arms is giving you something. Williams is giving you something. Um, Calhoun is giving you something. I just there's so many ways this team can come at you, and they can play so many different styles of basketball offensively. I, I'm just really glad that for the first time since um, Keenan Evans, it hasn't felt like you've needed just a dominant, overwhelming performance from any one guy to even have a chance. Because, you know, when Keen Evans wasn't good, Tack wasn't as good. When Jarrett Culver wasn't good, Tack wasn't as good. When Ramsey wasn't good, when McClung weren't good, you know, when that, that happened, you know, the offense in previous years under Beard, and I, I'm going to take a swipe here. The only thing I never liked about Chris Beard is he ran just an outgated offense. When those guys didn't perform at top level, it just, you couldn't find it. Now it feels like you've got options. Um, and that that's what I'm the, the happiest about. And lastly, Jack, what what do you want to highlight so far about this team that you you've enjoyed the most or your biggest thought from the first three games is? Well, I've been lucky enough to uh, be in attendance for two of these games. Uh, I went to the opening night game against North Florida. And I went to the game on uh, Monday against Prairie View. And I was really impressed with the offensive glass. Uh, it's really something that stuck out to me a lot in the Prairie View game. And I believe at one point I looked down at my phone and looked at the uh, stats, and we had more offensive rebounds than our own defensive rebounds. And, you know, we had more offensive rebounds than uh, Prairie View had for total rebounds at one point. So I've been very impressed with the offensive glass. Um, obviously, I mean, Bryson Williams is as advertised, if not better. I, I mean, I thought, you know, coming in, you know, he'd probably average maybe 10 a game, maybe 12, 14 on a good night, but he's just been killing it. Uh, averaging almost 19 a, a game so far. Granted, I do know that we've played North Florida grambling in Prairie View. Um, I'm really interested to see how this team does mesh back together, uh, with Shannon in the lineup. I, I really think that, uh, your starting five, uh, stays the same other than probably subbing out Malik Wilson and coming back with Shannon, uh, instead of Malik Wilson. So you really kind of let McCuller run the point. Um, I think your two guards are going to be, uh, McCuller and Davion Warren, and your forwards are going to be uh, Williams, O'Banner, and Shannon. Uh, I think that's probably going to be your starting five, or what? It, it's something close to it. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see uh, how long it takes 
TJ to get back into the swing of things. I don't think it'll take him very long, but I'm also interested to see uh, uh, the minutes that he gets in these next couple of games. I know they're, I mean, I think we play, I can't even remember who we play after Incarnate Word uh, this weekend, but um, I know that uh, Adams will want to get him back into the swing of things. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't expect him to play 35 minutes. I mean, he might, who knows, he might. Uh, but I would not be surprised if he only played, you know, maybe uh, 15 to 18 minutes against Incarnate Word, just because, I mean, you know, it takes a little bit to get your uh, to get your stamina back up after not playing for so long. Um, another person that I am very impressed with, I'll kind of wind down here. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, fortunately and unfortunately, you know, we're getting Terrence Shannon back, uh, but someone's got to come out of that starting lineup. and. Uh, I think it will be Malik Wilson. I think he'll trans, uh, transition to a, a six-man role, kind of. Uh, but Malik Wilson has killed it over uh, these three games. Uh, low turnovers. Very low turnovers. I think he's turned the ball over once, and he has about 15 assists, something like that, I think I saw. So um, he's averaging five assists a game uh, and two steals. So I think that he's been a really bright spot out of someone that we really didn't expect. Um, we expected a good amount, but uh, I think he's outperformed what uh, was expected of him for sure. Uh, if I want to nitpick real quick, one thing that I would really like to see improve, I know there are a couple of guys that are still shooting 100% from the free throw line on the year, but there uh, are also a couple guys struggling from the free throw line. Um I know, sorry, Kevin, but Kevin McCuller, uh, 56% from the line. Uh, Malik Wilson's 50% from the line. Uh, For your two guys that are going to be handling the ball the most, if they're only shooting 50 and 56% from the free throw line, that's not good. That needs to improve. But, um, you know, I'm just nitpicking there. But overall, uh, I've been pretty impressed. I really like the offense, Coach Peary. I really like the offense. I like scoring points. I don't like being in dogfights that are high 40s, low 50s games. I always hated that uh, over the past few years. I, I mean, I loved, I loved playing the defense, don't get me wrong, but I hated only scoring, you know, 50, 55 points and having to win with that. I feel like it's a lot easier to win <laughs> with, you know, 80, 84 points than it is with 50, so... Um, that's what I've, uh, seen a lot so far this season. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're so early on. I don't want anybody overreacting too much, but you did everything you've done to this point was with the team who is entirely new. Two of your cogs that were returning from last year have both been out with Naldoni and Shannon and Shannon being your overall preseason, all world, all, you know, NBA future NBA draft pick caliber player. So you you've done everything you've done to this it, to this stage, playing a man down and your most important man, and honestly, you've just looked really good um, at, at at times, and you, the talent has shown across the board. So I I'm not willing to say right now that this team is you know 100 going to go out and compete at the top level of the Big Twelve. We just don't know yet until we're really challenged. But if you were looking for encouraging signs in the first three games. They were everywhere. So I, I'm looking forward to the, how the rest of the season plays out. Incarnate Word up next. That should be another breeze. 
But, you know, once we get to that Providence game on December 1st, we're going to start learning what this team is actually made of. Um, heading it up to the matchup against Gonzaga that everybody's got circled and is looking forward to. So we're going to end it here. This ran a little long. Again, I want to reiterate, we're having some technical difficulties. I'm going to do the best I can to edit this all together so that you can hear Kendall's piece. Um, if you can't hear his, if you think there's weird gaps, it's related to that. So the show had to go on, and I wanted to provide you guys the content we all did. So I'm, I'm just praying that this works when we get out of here. All right. Well, thank you for everybody for listening. Stay tuned for more episodes next week about both basketball and football, maybe a combo. We'll see. Um, have a good, have a good rest of your week and wreck them.